Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S. And each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. And we're back at CBS Eye on Veterans. Reporting for ConnectingVets.com, the military news and veteran lifestyle website, I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs. Now, I was recently scrolling through the Twitter, at Phil Briggs Vet, give me a follow, and uh, I saw our buddy John Stewart remind everybody that this is an important week. Hey everybody, it's John Stewart. Uh, you might remember me from such smash hits as uh, Death to Smoochie and Half-Baked, uh, but today I'm talking about the PAC Act. It's a packed act week of action for all those who served, who might've been exposed to uh, burn pits or Agent Orange from whatever uh, conflict you were in, wherever you served. You may be eligible for benefits under the PACT Act, and we need you to get the benefits that you've earned. Andy's right. But what exactly does that mean, week of action? Is that yet another email I have to make or a phone call I gotta wait on hold for? Uh, do I actually get a claim made? And so to answer all that, We'll go to the VA press secretary now, Army combat veteran Terrence Hayes. And uh, Terrence, don't think I'm over that disappointing loss last weekend, man, at the Army-Navy game. Yeah, go Army, beat Navy, and it's a happy, happy day. <laughs> you know you all barely deserve that win. I mean, he fumbled on the goal line. I mean, we had you, we had you against the wall. And well, Let me tell you, man, uh, if you ever wanted drama, that was the game to actually watch. And uh, now we're all on the same team, my brother. All right. Well, Army-Navy game is over, but your game is just beginning. We are talking right now because it's a very important week, and it's been called Pact Act Action Week. So kind of wrap up with me sort of what this week has been about. Yeah, Phil, this is, uh, as you stated, this is the Pact Act Week of Action. Um, we have 90 events going on in all 50 states. Uh, we are going to where veterans are. So this is an opportunity for us to go into the communities of all 50 states to educate and inform veterans 
and survivors of the benefits that they may have available to them and to encourage them to enroll into the VA healthcare system. Um, we kicked it off Saturday at the very first event at the Washington event right here in Washington, D.C. at the National Harbor. It was a packed house. Every single seat was filled. And during that event, um, we were able to file benefits on site, provide toxic exposure screenings on site, and enroll veterans into healthcare. So again, this is happening throughout the country, all 50 states, 90 events. Be on the lookout for that. And you can find out that information at va.gov slash incredible that we are at the point now where VA actually reaching out and holding like a concert tour (laughs) where they go out and they find the veterans, sit down with them and say, here's what you're eligible for. If you're just hearing about this now, or you're a loved one that wants to share this information now, what we're saying here, or what you're saying, if I'm not mistaken, is that this has been the official rollout week now. Everything that was in that PACT Act, all those presumptives, the 26 some conditions or 20 some conditions that are covered, Y'all are going out now saying, get signed up, and we're going to begin the benefits claims process. Walk me through what that process looks like if you're just hearing about that now, and kind of layer over that a little bit of a timeline. Like, what am I expecting? Is this like the DMV? I go in, I fill out my thing, I wait for two hours, and I come out with a driver's license? Or is this going to be one step followed by multiple other steps the veteran must make Phil, uh, again, this is uh, this week specifically is a week for us to highlight um, pack that, you know, in general and to educate and inform as much as possible. Um, but we have already started the process. Um, we, you know, once the president signed the bill into law August the 10th, that very same day, we started taking claims and we can't adjudicate the claims until January 1st. But we've started to take them. We've already exceeded about one hundred and seventy six thousand packed act related claims as of today. And we'll be able to start processing those at the turn of the new year. But by no means are we asking folks to wait till January. We want you to get your claim in today. We have folks readily to push the button on January 1st to start processing those claims. And what does that mean by processing? Well, what that means is, is that, you know, once you file that claim, whatever that condition is, especially if it's one of the 23 new presumptive conditions, The burden of proof is out of your hands now. And if you are diagnosed with any of those 23 conditions, we assume that it's because of your time in service. And we're going to get that claim processed expediently. It could be a matter of days. It could be a matter of weeks. It could be a couple months, depending on what that condition is. Now, if an individual has one of those rare cancers, you will move immediately to the front of the line. As a matter of fact, if you are diagnosed with any of those rare cancers today or terminally, Today, we're starting the process like now. We started it yesterday. So we're going to process before the January 1st date for those facing terminal cancers or terminal illnesses. So again, this is important. This is important why we need veterans like you and I to get the word out to our battle buddies, to survivors, to ensure that they take advantage of these benefits, take advantage of this process. And again, we assure you it's going to be more expedient than it has been in the past and with less red tape. So I encourage anybody impacted by any of the 23 presumptives to immediately file your claim so we can start taking care of it. Right on. And I suppose it should just go without saying that like, hey, if you've never thought, if you're a GWAT era veteran, especially, if you've never thought about accessing VA for services, now might be the time to just go ahead, 
get a baseline appointment state made so that you can at some time in early 2023 go in, get what the equivalent of like a physical or something just to get baseline. So that if anything happens in the future, you're at least in the system. Does that make sense? Phil, uh, I mean, back to what I explained earlier, I mean, about how on site we've been providing veterans what's called the toxic exposure screening. Every single veteran who enrolls in the healthcare system and sees their primary care physician will receive what's called the toxic exposure screening. Even if you don't know if you're diagnosed with anything or you have not seen a doctor in quite some time, this conversation with your physician will help us determine next steps. Um, You may have been exposed. This conversation may lead to further testing, which may end up with a diagnosis, which then helps us provide a treatment plan, and then it could potentially lead to benefits. So again, this is vital for anybody involved in the post-9-11 conflicts, our Gulf War veterans, and our Vietnam War veterans to please file your claim today. If you're not enrolled in our healthcare system, please enroll immediately. So we can get you to have that discussion with your doc and we can get you with that screening and hopefully get take, get you taken care of. All right. Last question before we move on, just about getting involved in VA. Uh, I myself didn't ever get stationed anywhere that was mm-hmm. volatile, but I'm like a lot of veterans that after I got out, you know, I mean, I got a job, I got my various private insurance and I've kind of drifted far from the pier as far as being in the VA family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I still eligible to come back and at least get a get this screening or is there an income threshold? Should I still come back and make at least a baseline appointment with a doc at the VA? Phil, every veteran, regardless of you know what they may think, should at least give it a try. Um, okay. There are eligibility requirements without question, but a veteran won't know if they're eligible or not unless they actually file for a benefit or file to enroll in our healthcare system. That's what we're encouraging all veterans to at least attempt to enroll. You may not meet the eligibility requirements because of finances and other things. But again, as a veteran myself, I'm urging every single veteran that I know to take a shot, seek enrollment into the healthcare system. You won't know if you're eligible unless you try. Or you can actually visit one of your local veteran service organizations, you know, your VFWs, your DAVs, your American Legions, to help you navigate that system. And all of these ways I just provided to you are free of charge. Thank you for bringing up VSOs and vet centers. I did not bring that up at the top, and those are vital. Uh, you know, if you just don't need to make it all the way to the VA or can't make it all the way to the closest VA, there are vet centers. And if you can't make it even that far, I don't know any small town that doesn't have an American Legion, VFW, or an AM Vets, you know, and uh, and get lunch and some pull tabs to boot. So look for everything at uh, va.gov slash pact, correct? Correct. And we'll be back with more when CBS Eye on Veterans returns. This is CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy Vet Phil Briggs, reporting for ConnectingVets.com. Now December is filled with holiday magic. From the twinkle of Christmas lights to the spirit of goodwill for mankind. And another beautiful tradition is how Wreaths Across America honors our nation's veterans by placing wreaths in thousands of cemeteries nationwide. Every wreath honors a veteran with a unique story. 
And here to share more about the story behind this tradition is Amber Karen, Communications Director for Wreaths Across America. Amber, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me, Phil. Indeed. And uh, yeah, thanks for being here with us. I know that I hear about this every year because I'm in the D.C. metro area, so I always hear about the Arlington display and how thousands of people will fan out and put wreaths all across the grounds and really kind of highlight a bittersweet and tender moment here during the holiday season. But what I wanted to also highlight is the massive impact that wreaths across America has. Yeah, um, well, this Saturday is National Wreaths Across America Day, Saturday, December 17th. And this year we will be placing sponsored veterans wreaths on uh, headstones at over 3,700 participating locations. So that is national cemeteries, state cemeteries, municipal cemeteries, church cemeteries, community cemeteries, backyard cemeteries, any place where a veteran is buried um, and who has registered to participate in the program. Um, thanks to the generosity of many individuals and some, and some companies, uh, we are expecting to place about 2.65 million wreaths across the country. Now you have um, locations that have one wreath to place and you have locations like Arlington where we'll be placing about 257,000 wreaths, uh, one on each marker at the cemetery. Just pause real quick there again. There's almost 4,000 sites across the country. How many wreaths in total will be placed this year? It'll be a little over 2.65 million when wow. all the numbers come through. And that's, you know, and that's individual donors, um, people who've been making sure that their loved ones are receiving a wreath. Um, and obviously there's businesses that come in that want to help in their community and honor the veterans in their community. Um, it's grown significantly this year. We've seen 500 new locations registered. Um, and really, just to be clear, too, I think people need to understand all of these locations that we're talking about are being coordinated by volunteers. So this is not, you know, Reads Across America staff managing all of these events. And these are individuals who want their to see their community participate in the program. They've probably experienced the program and placed a wreath themselves somewhere else in the past and wanted to bring it to their community. And that's how this continues to grow year after year as people have a personal experience and then bring it home. Right on. And, the, and there is something about laying a wreath at a loved one's headstone or if you know someone and you go with that person to the veteran in their family. It's a very touching moment. Uh, I know when I visit my buddy Ronnie Wildrick there in Arlington, not necessarily during the winter. <laughs> it's a little cold, but uh, I tend to always leave him a little bottle of Jim Beam. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about its humble beginnings. Uh, this obviously did not grow to two and a half million wreaths within the last couple of years. This has been ongoing, but I've always been kind of interested in the story of how it literally did just start with one little farm and one little cemetery. Uh, I believe it was Maine. Talk to me about the genesis of wreaths across America. Yeah. So, um, our founder, uh, is a very patriotic man and, um, and he did not serve himself, but he always had a lot of respect for the military. Uh, when he was a kid, about 12 years old, he was, he won a trip to Arlington National Cemetery. Well, it was actually to DC and they went to Arlington. And, you know, we've talked about this a lot this week during the escort with um, stopping at a lot of schools. It just goes to show that even as young as 12, you can have an experience that stays with you. And for Moral Worcester, that's what happened. He had an experience that stayed with him and he kind of tucked it away and thought, wow, this is amazing. 
And then later in life, um, he had, uh, he's a wreath maker from Maine and he had some extra wreaths and, and rather than see him go to waste, he thought about that experience. He thought, well, wouldn't it be nice if I could bring these wreaths and say thank you to maybe some part of the cemetery where people don't visit anymore, right? That doesn't have family. Um, so he called some folks and was able to bring a truck down and there was about 10 or 11 people who went down. It took them all day, which is funny to think about now. Took them all day to place 5,000 wreaths. They did it in section 27, which if you're familiar with Arlington is the oldest part of the cemetery. And uh, when it was all done, he called his wife and said, uh, I think that we're going to never not do this. It's really important. And, you know, as he was going through, he had the opportunity to read the names and see how young many of the people are that were buried and served. And it, it really struck him. And so for many years, it was almost, it was like 14 years, the family themselves did it every year they set aside a truck and they would go to Arlington and they're kind of the volunteer great group would grow um, of people who would come out and they do it on a different section um, and then you know as things happen people uh, someone took a photo of it and um, posted on the internet with a poem and I will tell you I've, I've known Moral Worcester for about 15 years now and the man has never looked at an email in his life and he got emails and letters and people were mailing him and reaching out and wanting and sending him money. And he was like, I can't, you know, I can't take these people's money. And it was just, well, can we do this in our cemetery? And we want to honor our veterans in this way. And what a great way to say thanks during the holiday season. And, and so, you know, after some planning and some conversations, it really, uh, Reese Cross America, the national nonprofit was born. So in 2007, it was founded with a very simple mission to remember the fallen, honor those that serve and their families, and teach the next generation the value of freedom. And I think since that time, 15 years later, we've really seen this mission evolve into it. What we really truly are proud to say is a year-round mission. Um, And this program, yes, the wreaths are an important part of our program. It's how we are able to uh, do other things in for our veteran community and for military families uh, and for the next generation. But it grows because people want, it's become a family tradition, I think, for a lot of folks. And it's um, it's an opportunity for people to learn about the veterans and the military families in their communities. It's a great way to teach kids about service. And I personally, I mean, it's one of those things where I think that every year I meet and I hear some stories that I never would have heard. And it, it leaves an impact on people. Let me just kind of take a side road there for a minute and share with me a wonderful story that you've heard over these years. You've probably been doing this now for what, 10 years or so, and you've gone, you know, on wreath laying occasions uh, dozens of times. Share with me a story that kind of sticks with you, that just kind of captures why you still have the love to do this, why there's still a spark. Well, I'm going to cry. I'll tell you that now, but um, <laughs> God love you. No, I all good. I think it's, I mean, there's so many, it's hard to pick one. Um, For me, I, you know, I've had the honor of meeting many gold star families. And for people, your listeners who might not know what a gold star family member is, um, that is someone whose child died while in active service to this country. Um, It's a title that people don't want, but every gold star mother that I have ever met, and I know a lot are continuing to serve for their child. And um, I think back to the, the first school star mother I ever met, a woman named Ruth Stonecipher. Her son, Chris, was one of the first units to go up after 9-11, got sent out. 
He was a ranger and uh, he broke his ankle, I think. And he had a, he had a cast on. And when the call went out, he cut his cast off so he could be with his guys. And um, he was killed. He was killed in a helicopter crash. And she, I'll never, Chris, uh, Chris's mother, Ruth said she, you know, saw it on the scrolling that two rangers were killed and uh, not knowing that it was her son. The reason why she says that Reads Across America matters is because when she's gone, she knows somebody will come at least once a year through Reads and read her son's name out loud. Say hi. And for her, that matters. So that his service is not forgotten. So whether, you know, and that's, I think for a lot of families, it's just that you know, our, our executive director says this a lot. You die twice. You die when you take your last breath and when your name is spoken for the last time. And for Gold Star families, they know that Reese Cross America won't let that happen. And I think that for me, I met Chris, um, Chris's mom, Ruth, back in 2008. And it really just stuck with me. And I was like, wow, I never, you know, you don't think about those things, right? That someday no one's going to come visit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, know who you were or why why are you laying in Arlington? You know, that kind of thing. So I think for me, I think about that a lot. And I continue to meet Gold Star families who it matters to them. I feel you on that story because every year on December 14th, I think about my buddy, Ronnie Wildrick did his last dance in Hellman province and uh, he's in Arlington as well. And it is a beautiful thing to note that we maintain someone's presence someone's life in a way by just keeping their name alive and the mere act of even a stranger volunteer dusting off a little bit of snowfall on the headstone or sweeping away some leaves and then placing that wreath right there that's a moment where that name is remembered and then that name is honored and a beautiful tradition uh as the tradition has grown now we mentioned earlier that uh of course you know we're putting down two and a half million wreaths 3700 different cemeteries we've got thousands and tens of thousands of volunteer groups and the program in and of itself has morphed from just merely volunteering to something I heard you say just a moment ago, and that is curriculum. Mm-hmm. Share with me how Reads Across America is a teaching tool and especially the ways in which you interact with kids. We're really excited about our TEACH program. Um, we revamped it this year with the help of actually a Gold Star mom, uh, Cindy Tatum, her son, Daniel Lee Tatum, served in the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, she's a retired teacher. And through Cindy's help um, and hard work, we partnered with several other organizations, including the Congressional Medal of Honor Society, um, the American Rosie Movement, Random Acts of Kindness, the Ike Eisenhower Foundation, the United States uh, Vietnam War Commemoration, just to name a few. All of these groups have existing curriculum. And we feel we have a platform to reach kids because there are so many families that come out to place wreaths. And um, it's something that kids can wrap their heads around when they see a wreath, that it's a, it's a, an object, an idea that they can understand. It's an action they can take. Um, so we, we have a great opportunity to kind of act as an aggregate for all of these other organizations through their programs. But we also created our own programs, our own curriculum. Um, some have included, uh, you know, we actually just did one. Um, we did one about the six triple eight which is the all African-American 
uh, postal unit during World War II. They just won the Congressional Gold Medal. Um, we've done one about Buffalo soldiers and Native American um, uh, Native American soldiers and among other things. And, and it goes from K- kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Um, and we have seen such huge numbers in downloads from across the country. I mean, we were way more than we would have expected. And we're thrilled because it it's all character-based service learning. So how can you, as a, it's things that kids can do. So go into your, like the high school level. We just, uh, we had a veterans oral history project this year where we asked high school kids to go and introduce yourself to a veteran or a gold star family member in your community and interview them. And we received folks from all over the country submitting videos and reports from high school kids. And they're not getting graded on this, you know, they're doing it because it's an opportunity to learn. And we just provided them the tools to make it happen. Um, so that's an, yeah. And if I can stop you right there and just say that, what is it? Oral history project at uh, the American history museum of the Smithsonian. Uh, I've flipped through there and used some of the stories that they've shared. And it's amazing just talking to the grandfather in your neighborhood or, you know, uh, Uncle Barry, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of unlock stories that they just don't share everywhere, every time, every, every day. And you certainly don't hear in the news cycle. And it is pretty cool how this education, this curriculum through Reads Across America, uh, can set a high school student or even young college student off on a journey where they'll come back, discover their own storyline and really be richer and fuller for having understood what that is like. And I mean, you know, uncovering something in your own family history is really awesome too. When you get to hear the story about what, you know, a crazy grandpa did back in the day, you don't think about grandpa who falls asleep after the pumpkin pie as being a war hero, but he was was once in his twenties and was built for speed. Uh, So that is absolutely awesome. Can I ask how the kids engage with this? Then I, I heard you say download. So does this meet a school district or a local school by way of a volunteer who says, Hey, go to this website and they have an entire exercise that your class can do? Or do you send a Reads Across America representative to the school to give a speech or to do something like that? We're doing a bunch of different things, Phil. We're trying a whole bunch of things. This is new for us. So we've actually personally, uh, Cindy, our, our education liaison, has reached out to every superintendent in every state via email introducing them to the program. It's readscrossamerica.org slash teach. You can go and you can see, and there's links to some of those partners curriculum as well. Um, and basically introduce it, introduce her story and why this is, you know, what we've created and how easy it is for them to utilize in their own classroom. Um, it's also great for just parents who have kids at home, uh, you know, during COVID, what, what do I do with my kids? I mean, that's what we were trying to do is kind of think of ways to, you know, there's, there's coloring activities for younger kids. There's, you know, we have a wreath, what makes up a veterans wreath because our veterans wreath, um, there's a lot of symbolism behind that. So it's an opportunity for kids to learn and it's the characteristics of what makes a veteran. Um, and so, you know, there's 10 characteristics, things like that. So it's an opportunity for kids to be kids but make it on their level and understand. Um, it's actually funny when you talk about grandpa, I, one of the veteran um, history projects, the missions we got, which was really cool, was uh, there was at Thanksgiving, they sat down with their grandfather uh, and there was a family, there was nine grandkids and they sat down and they videotaped, they recorded asking grandpa questions. And so they each got to ask him questions. And I'm like, how cool is that? 
And those are things that I bet you they never would have thought to ask him. I mean, my, both my grandfathers are gone. My, my dad's dad was a translator in World War II. He spoke French fluently. And I didn't know that till after he died. I mean, oh. and that it's so sad to me that I didn't have that opportunity to have that conversation with him. So I just think it's great that the, you know, people are really taking the idea and running with it. And it's encouraging youth to have an active conversation because, you know, you know, service, I think people hear the term service and sacrifice, right? Well, there's also service and success, success. And most of it is service and success. And, you know, you talk to many of our veterans and they're CEOs and, (laughs) and radio show hosts and own their own companies and, and dads and moms, and they're doing all these things. And I think that people need to understand that they're everyday individuals and they've had, they've, they chose to serve for a reason. And, um, it might speak to people and help kids understand their own opportunities if they have the opportunity to speak to a veteran. Yeah, right on. All right. Uh, as the program has expanded now nationally, again, 2 million wreaths, almost 4,000 cemeteries nationwide. Um, it also speaks to the growth and the funding that it takes to do this. And I originally saw this week, the press release that I believe mentioned Lockheed Martin with a 240 some thousand dollar donation to this. And I didn't want to be skeptical, but as we talk about the educational program for kids, I see the value in that. But then I see such a large number, not only of Reeves delivered, but a large number of investment from a corporation uh, to keep this program going. And I say to myself, part of me says, wouldn't that money be best spent on the veterans that are living? So there's two two things with that. And I think that's a very legitimate question, Bill, honestly. Um, and the placement of a wreath and the opportunity to bring communities together with the Reese Cross America program, I think does more for veterans and communities than people realize from an individual standpoint for a veteran to know that a community respects them and is grateful for them is teaching kids about what it means to be an American and what it means to serve that benefits veterans. It does. And I think that for many veterans, seeing kids involved in this program and placing wreaths, It might sound silly because it's just a wreath, but it really does make an impact in their lives. And I know that firsthand from seeing and talking to veterans. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Phil Briggs, a Navy vet and reporter for ConnectingVets.com. Now we're getting into the holiday spirit this week by looking at wreaths across America, the annual tradition of honoring our veterans by placing wreaths on headstones at cemeteries across the country. Amber Karen is the communication director for Wreaths Across America, and over the years, she's seen how this meaningful gesture has brought real happiness to families and the living veterans alike. But she also shared something that many don't know, and that's the impact that the fundraising from Wreaths Across America has that lasts the entire year. It might sound silly because it's just a wreath, but it really does make an impact in their lives. And I know that firsthand from seeing and talking to veterans. That being said, one of the big things about Reads Across America and the reason why it continues to grow is our group sponsorship program. So um, in the very beginning, when they founded Reads Across America, Karen was our executive director. Well, she said it would be disingenuous as, as an organization whose mission is to remember, honor, and teach if we didn't help those programs in communities doing that very work every day of the year. So the people who are helping to help 
you know, veterans and military families keep the lights on or pay their heating bill or have food on the table or have a bus pass, whatever those things are that they need to be successful. There are programs all over the country who are doing that in their communities. And through the Reese Cross America program, they can raise funds for their program through the sale of Reese sponsorships. So for every $15 as a group sponsorship um, member, you can also VSOs all over the country. So VFWs, American Legions, I mean, Boy Scout groups, Girl Scout groups, they can do this too. Um, you can sign up as a group, pick one location or several locations you want to raise, raise funds for to place wreaths. And through every $15 re-sponsorship, you get $5 back for your own program. And you can do this all year round. And uh, through the beginning of this year, so as of January 2022, as an organization, we've given back over $18 million to other like-minded programs through this sponsorship group program. By the end of this year and starting of next year, we'll be close to $20 million of of giving back money. We have over almost 8,000 groups that participate around the country. And these are, these are people who are making an impact in their community literally every single day. We were talking, um, one of our staff, we, we do a lot of sharing stories through our own program, our own stations. And we were talking to a, a member of the VFW in North Dakota and they use their $5 back to literally put oil in veterans tanks so that they have heating oil. And that's how they use the money. And it helps them keep the lights on at their facility. I mean, it's that makes an impact for people. And it's something where you can get behind it because when someone's giving you $15, they know that they're doing good twice. They're placing a wreath for an American hero and they're helping a program to do what they need to do to, to give back in their community. To me, that's a really great way to help living veterans. From a corporate standpoint, I think corporations get involved because they know it's important to their employees and their customers. Um, they have a lot of these organizations like Lockheed have veterans, many veteran employees, and they want their, their employees to be involved in the communities where they live and work. And it's a great way to get your family together, go out on a Saturday morning, place these wreaths, say the names out loud and be part of the community in honoring our veterans. And I think for corporations, that's important too. I mean, that's a huge part of what they're doing to give back in their communities and show that it's not just lip service. They do care about these families and it makes a difference in their communities. Well, tip of the cap to our friends at Lockheed. Uh, you know, I know that they've uh, got a good relationship with Uncle Sam, have over these years, uh, and they certainly understand the significance of a gold star family. Uh, it's good to see good corporate stewards of that relationship doing the right thing. Amazing to hear that like the Girl Scout cookies my daughter has uh, saddled our family with and I've eaten dozens of boxes. Uh, you had mentioned your son and uh, what was it? Uh, a baseball oh, made popcorn. My God, the popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That the Rees Across America fundraising is structured a lot like those other programs that uh, we both know so well. Awesome stuff. Um There's a theme I heard about this year that I thought was very special and just wanted to highlight that Reads Across America knows this and is aware of this. I've noticed a trend in American culture. You know, they know about veterans and they know about military service from Hollywood and, you know, from the evening news cycle. And most people, I suppose, accidentally created this paradigm or this thought of the American veteran as, okay, 
you served, so you must have kicked in doors and repelled out of helicopters, and now you can't sleep, and you're all banged up, and there's something wrong with you, and you're just on a, you know, you're just anxious all the time, and gosh, we should feel sorry for you. And I think what Reads Across America, if I'm not mistaken, is doing something this year to kind of combat that notion and sort of write a new narrative with the veteran definition in America. Share with me a little bit about that. Yeah, and I completely I couldn't agree with you more, Phil. I think we need to change the narrative in this country about service. And um, so this year's every year. So our mission obviously is remember, honor, and teach. That it never changes, um, and never will. But uh, our we we have a theme every year to kind of give us a you know a focus. And so this year, 2022, our our theme is find a way to serve. And that really came from our work with the discussions with the American Rosie movement in talks with talking about the teaching curriculum, because, you know, it just goes to show that anyone can serve in their family, their community, their country. There's different ways to do that. Um, A continuation of that will be next year's theme, which hasn't been announced yet, um, but it's on the same vein. And it's really talking about service and success. So to your point, there really is an opportunity here for um, the youth of this country to understand that you don't necessarily serve your country and come out broken. And obviously there are people that are there, are there veterans that need our support hundred percent. And there are things that, you know, absolutely need to, to happen there. Um, but I think that we need to hear more about some of the success um, and what the military can offer somebody um, and really the opportunities that come with it and and the, the pride that comes with service and i think that more and more we hear we're hearing more and more of those stories that and that's how we've we've felt as an organization we we just see so many of these amazing veterans who have taught us so much and i think there's a lot left to learn for the the next generation so we really want to focus our energy on helping to share those stories and change and be part of changing that narrative is our hope mm. for moving forward Well, so glad you did. Find a way to serve is a brilliant mantra for people of all ages to pick up on and uh, moving ahead into the next year, uh, finding that uh, service and success are two components that are definitely instilled in so many veterans. Uh, It makes me proud to be one. And I never want people to forget that. Yeah. You know, your best days are ahead. Glad to see that's being promoted by reads across America. One wreath at a time. Let's stick the landing here and talk about again uh, this Saturday. Absolutely. So this Saturday is National Reads Across America Day. Saturday, December 17th, we'll be at over 3,700 participating locations. We're in every state, including Hawaii, Alaska, Guam, Puerto Rico, and Cuba. And uh, placing wreaths with millions of volunteers. And we ask that every wreath that's placed, that you say that veteran's name out loud, continue their legacy, and bring your children with you, and uh, teach them what it means to be an American. Right on. And for more information about the great things Reads Across America does all year long, where can I find that? ReadsAcrossAmerica.org. Outstanding. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas one week at a time. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, 
we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.